Well, keep your eyes open on this text of scripture. It's going to be important for what we're doing. I, 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 hope you, I hope you will look at this. It's important to keep your Bibles open, and there's a simple reason for that. You, I don't want you to just trust what I say today. I want you to trust the Word of God because the Word of God is what's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And the reason is going to be pretty, become pretty clear pretty quickly. Um, I bring you greetings, first of all, today from Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. That's where I was last week. If I'm a little uncoherent, it's because I'm still a little jet-lagged, arriving yesterday morning fairly early. So uh, hopefully I am going to stay coherent for today. But I did notice something when I visited other churches last Sunday, something, a feeling that I don't often get when I come here to church, because brothers and sisters, I know a lot of you, I, I've spent time with you, I've, I, I, I love you guys, it's great to see you, it's wonderful to spend time with you, I missed you, it was great. And I don't feel this feeling quite so often when I come here as when I go to a new church. Do you ever get the feeling that you don't belong? I mean, seriously, I, I know you're, not, you're supposed to feel like you belong in church, but between you and me, we're friends. You can be honest. Sometimes it doesn't feel like we belong. Which is strange at a church, don't you think? Jonathan Edwards says that the only thing that we provide to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. That means if you are here trusting in Jesus for your salvation and not in your own works, not in your own righteousness, you're in the right place. You're among friends. This place is for you. And yet so often when I come to church on Sunday because of something going on in my head, I get the feeling that I might be an imposter. Get that feeling ever? That, the, that, that, you know, all these people around me are so much more holy than I am. And uh, just to break you of possibly a... a, a uh, misapprehension you might have. Pastors feel that too sometimes. Sometimes it feels like I need to put on a new facade when I come here because otherwise I won't be acceptable among all of these people who are so much better than me. And it's not true. It just isn't. This is, by the way, something that happens quite commonly in the world. The world even has a name for it. It's called imposter syndrome. Uh, New Oxford American Dictionary, the dictionary that's on my computer, which is why I'm quoting it, says is a noun. It's the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved. Uh, I've felt this feeling before in other fields. It isn't just a church thing. Uh, I remember many years ago uh, when I was in the realms of academia, uh, going into one of those professional programs that tend to have a very high cachet. For some reason, people respect people who went to this particular field, even though most of them, uh, they're, they're people like the rest of us. You can go, to the, go into the field and you feel like 
I don't belong here, even though actually, yeah, based on all of the things, you didn't cheat, you, you, you wrote all the exams correctly, no, you actually belong here. And yet you can feel like an imposter. It's more dangerous, though, in the church, and the reason is because of what we see here in Ephesians chapter 4. Because one of the things that we have as Christians, as believers, as a gift to help us to live the lives that we honestly can't live in our own power, to be the kinds of people that we need to be, to grow, to know and love Jesus better. One of the greatest gifts that Christ gives us to do that is the church. And the, the, the feeling that we don't belong here is one of the things that blocks us from actually availing of that gift, or even worse, of providing that gift. Works this way. You feel you don't belong here. There's two basic ways this can happen. You feel you don't belong here, so you walk in and you're kind of standoffish from everybody else, and you put up a facade, and you pretend that you're better than you are. You're feeling good, and you don't want to actually deal with real stuff, so you keep everybody at arm's length and keep them from being friends so they don't find out that you're really not all that good in, their, in your heart, which is weird again, because the reason you're here, the reason everybody is here is because we are so messed up that we need divine intervention to be acceptable to God. That is the point of the gospel. And yet, we're, we're, we try to pretend that somehow we've made it. That is the first wrong way that this happens. And it creates isolation between us because ultimately, you guys get to see my facade, not me. But there's a more insidious way it happens. And it, uh, I, I'm guilty of this as, as much as anybody else. Sometimes I, want the, I, I have this facade in front of me and I am so scared of people seeing through that facade that I will attack others to make sure they have a similar facade so I'm even doubly protected. I'll take my holiness as if it's something that I need to impress on you and make you follow through with before I will be your friend. And then I'll make you feel even more unaccepted in the church. Which is strange because again, Jesus says that he gifts us through the church. Christian imposter syndrome is a very dangerous thing. So allow me to say this, if you get nothing else out of this sermon, if you're going to fall asleep after this, fine. I want to say first and foremost, if you are a sinner in need of salvation, you're in the right place. Regardless of how you feel, and unfortunately, uh, we live in a world that says that your feelings are what tells you the truth. Uh, unfortunately, your feelings can be wrong. If you feel not, not welcome here, um, by the protection of Christ, who is the head of this church, with all due respect, your feelings are wrong. God wants you here. God loves you. 
That's the point of all those songs we sang. God cares more about you than you can even care about yourself. So if you, if you fall asleep now, that's fine. You, you, I got other stuff prepared, but you know, you'll have something at least to hold on to there. Because I want to show something here that's kind of important in Ephesians 4. I'm going to be deal- not dealing with all first 16 verses because apparently, unfortunately, this is a very dense section of Scripture. You can, we can go on for weeks on this. I'm not going to. I'm not even going to go past 12:15. So, you know, it, it's going to be faster than that. But Ephesians has a lot of stuff in it. And I want to talk about specifically the ways that we as a church are gifted to bless one another. That despite any feelings that we have, uh, imposter or not, we are designed, we are set to bless one another in the church. We're going to be focusing on Ephesians 4, 1 to 16, but I want to be careful here too because there's a context built up around it. Ephesians is a very good book. If you have about 30 minutes this afternoon, you can sit down and read the whole thing beginning to end. It might be useful for you. There's a lot of stuff there. Ephesians 4 fits into a section here because remember that Ephesians is a book that has a whole bunch of different things that people put on coffee cups. Uh, they're, They're like the little pearls of wisdom that people have. And we need to remember that when the Bible was written, it wasn't just a series of little, it wasn't a string of pearls where there's one individual really beautiful truth next to one individual little bead of truth. And we don't need to really care much about how they fit together. But instead, when we look at Ephesians, it's written as a letter. So there's a chain of reasoning that Paul is getting to. And we're not going to go through the whole chain of reasoning, but I'm going to point out that it does fit in to the rest of the book. Ephesians has a lot of interesting verses. It says things like uh, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, Christ's body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This church, the part, that, the place that we are right now is the body of Christ. Christ fills it. Christ is head over it. Christ uses it. That's important in, as we get to Ephesians 4. Then in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice the link there. You are saved, not merely from the world, but you are saved to do things in the world by God's power and strength. You are not good in yourself. God creates you for good. Uh, people say that, you know, I am God's gift, you know, I am pretty attractive, and that's why, you know, I can possibly have that idea that I am God's gift. But in a real sense, every believer is God's gift. God is working through you, preparing good works for you to work, walk in them. That's what it says in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. 
To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. The power of Jesus Christ is working in us and among us. He is around us. The ultimate call, ultimately, when you get to Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says this. Uh, Paul calls them, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Ending ultimately in the statement, peace in Ephesians 6, 23 and 24, peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So Ephesians 4 fits in between that listing of the things that we are gifted to for, that we are accepted by God, not because we are good in ourselves, and to the blessings that we are called to be in the world, ultimately to the glory of Jesus Christ. That's a lot. So ultimately, and here's, here's the way I'm going to put it, hopefully for this text, Christ's gifts among us in the church, we have gifts among us in the church. If you are in Christ, God has gifted you in ways to be specifically the person you are among your people. Christ's gifts among us in the church are to be used not merely for ourselves, not merely for uh, just to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, but are used to build each other up so that we all, we all, and in case you want to know what the, that word is in the Greek, it's all, all, everybody, might reflect Christ to the world. So, what I'm saying is that because Christ is in you, because Christ has saved you, because you are being worked on by the Spirit of God, God has gifted you with specific things and use, is, wants you to be a gift to the church around you. And it, as a gift to the church around you, we are aiming towards a single goal, namely that we would reflect the glory of Jesus Christ to a world out there that desperately needs to see him. But this isn't just from me, it's in the text of Scripture. And again, this is why I want you to, wanted you to open your Bibles. I want to start with verse 8 here. I'm not, again, I'm going to be picking and choosing a little bit because I don't have a ton of time. It says this, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. It's important that we recognize that the gift, giver of the gifts is not some amorphous force. It is the Christ who loves us. It is the Christ who fills all things. It is the Christ for whom all things were created. The gifts that God gives you are not minor gifts. 
They are the overwhelming power of God. And in case you misunderstand that, God is very, very, well, for lack of a better term, big. (laughs) God is transcendent. God rules and reigns over all things. There is a high calling here that we are, are to fulfill, and we can't fulfill it in our own power. That's why Christ gives us gifts. If, if, if you're like me, by the way, you, you, you probably have this response when he says, you know, that you're supposed to reflect this kind of glory. I, I'd love to do that, but how? Well, glad you asked. The text is going to tell us. But you see, the, and the question that we have of whether or not we can fulfill what God Christ calls us to do is an answer that's not based in our own abilities and strengths. If it was, we'd have no chance of meeting the call that God has. I mean, the fact is, while I am a very intelligent person, I am not nearly as intelligent as God. I may be very handsome, but I am not nearly as attractive as God is. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks very much. I'll talk to you later, Adam. And all of us know that. I mean, that's one of the reasons we get that imposter syndrome. We know that the blessings, that the things that God calls us to, even among the church, our ability to be loving to one another, is not something we can do in our own strength. And that's okay because it's not in our own strength that you're meant to do it. It's in God's strength that you're meant to do it. You see... Jesus didn't just save us from sin on the cross. He didn't just make us acceptable to God. And as if that's a minor thing. Being made acceptable to God is a huge deal. But he gifts us by his Holy Spirit to be constantly remade into the image of his Son. Brothers and sisters, there will be a day when we will be free from the sin that binds us now. It is not today, but the day is coming. Right now, we may not be individually the best examples of God's mercy and grace to the world, but by the power of God working in us, we will be. But each of us has different gifts. There are varied gifts that come to this. You, you'll see this, by the way, in, uh, similarly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 7. Paul says something very similar. He says, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the, manifest of the sta- manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see, there are a variety of gifts that God has given us. Christ gifts us in all sorts of ways for a purpose, for a common good. That common good is to be used to build each other up. Verses 11 and 12 of the passage we're at right now. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, 
Sometimes when you read that section where it says apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, you imagine offices of the church type thing going on here. Uh, Kind of, but not really. See, the fact is, God gives people to be able to teach us, to be able to uh, shepherd us, to be able to evangelize among us, to be, uh, well, to teach the word of God to us so that we can be built up and so that we can build up one another. The gifts, by the way, are people. They're not just kind of nefarious, airy-fairy giftings uh, that exist in the ether out there. They're actually people. The gift God gives us are people. Christ's gift to his church, then, is his church. Not merely as people, but people gifted for ministry to one another. Uh, For Paul here, it's not merely whether or not it's a formal or an informal gift. It's not whether or not we can, you know, lay hands on you and say you are, in fact, an evangelist. The idea here is that that an evangelist is one who evangelizes. And what is evangelizing? It's a big, solid Christian word for telling good news. And in case you're worried, every one of us needs to hear good news all the time. Every one of us needs to say good news all the time to one another. One of the things that we are called to encourage one another is encourage each other as long as it's called today by telling each other of Jesus. On my dark days when I come in here and I don't feel accepted among you because I, I have some sin in my life that I have been hiding and I haven't been repenting of and I need to repent of, or I don't feel acceptable before you because... I just don't feel as good or nice or uh, I'm not the most outgoing person in the world, so I am probably grunting at you. It's morning and and it doesn't sound very polite and nice. And I'm feeling unaccepted. You need to be able to tell me the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it is to evangelize, by the way. Not merely among the outside world. You do that too. You tell them the good news of Jesus Christ around you, but you also tell one another the good news. And that is one of the gifts that the Spirit gives us in the church. By the way, that's one of the reasons why we go to church. It's not merely so that we can, uh, you know, sing very nice songs, and they are great songs. It's important to worship God together. That is great. It's not merely to hear the Word of God preached to you. That is wonderful, and it is important, and it is necessary. But it is also to spend time with the other believers with whom God has gifted to bless you. And not merely bless you in the sense of bless you to make you feel good about yourselves, but to bless you as it says, well, to prepare you, to equip you, you the saints, for the work of the ministry. The coming week is going to be a hard week. It really is. There are going to be all sorts of times when you are going to feel like you need some power to be able to do good to the people around you. I mean, how am I supposed to be nice to that person who is ordering 53 things in the drive through at Starbucks when I just need my coffee so I can go to work and not be grunting at people? I need 
the power of God at work in me. I need to be equipped for the work of the ministry because it's going to be even worse than that, more than that. We are called to not just be okay people in the world. We are called to be saints, to do the work of the ministry, to bless the people around us. I mean, how are we to be kind and loving to people who honestly don't deserve it unless we recognize that God has been kind and loving to us through the people around us? We need to be equipped for the work of the ministry. And that's what the church is for. That's why we're here. That's why it's important to not just listen to me and just come in and walk out and then you know, avoid all the other people, but spend some time with other people and get to know them because they are here to equip you as well. And you, to allow me to blow your mind a little bit here, God has gifted you to equip them. I don't know how it is, but he's done it. And we do all this, not merely so that we feel good about ourselves, not merely so that people will say great things about Calvary Baptist Church or about us as Christians, but so that people will see the truth of Jesus Christ. We are gifted and equipped not merely so that we can be better for ourselves, but so that we can, well, reflect Christ. As it says in verses 13 and 14, until we all attain the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. We all. I love the Bible because it sometimes has small, little, tiny particles of phrases that have immense weight. Don't skip over those five little letters, we all. Do you know how many of us are going to be lost by Christ, ultimately, if you put your faith in him? None. Do you know how many of us will be reflecting the glory of Christ for all eternity as we have faith in him? All. There will be no superheroes of faith ultimately because ultimately the superhero is Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, you are not meant to be merely okay people. You were called to be saints. And not only that, you are equipped to be saints. The church here is the body of believers that calls us to be more the image, not of a really, really good person. Not merely the image of the pastor that you might really, really like on podcasts the image of Christ. We are all called to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, just in case you're you know, getting a kind of uh, equity vibes from the fact that it just said mature manhood, that just simply means to be like what they would have seen as manhood in the, in the New Testament era, which means able to stand in the world around you 
able to stand not in the strength that you have, but in the strength that Christ gives. Brothers and sisters, we are called to be essentially superheroes of the faith. And God has given us the strength to do exactly that in the church. Not because we're amazing, but because he's amazing and he will give us the strength to develop us into that so that we might have the measure of the stature of the fullness of nice people, of, no, of Christ. So that we may no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We live in the church, we exist in the church to point each other to Christ in the word of God so that, ultimately speaking, we won't be bounced around by all sorts of plausible thoughts in the world. One of the things I've found kind of annoying about the modern world is conspiracy theories. The problem is that there's just so many of them. And if you've ever watched much of YouTube or TikTok, and don't, don't lie, I know a lot of you have, you'll notice that there's all sorts of interesting things that people believe about the world. I, I, I have found so far people who believe that we are all ruled by lizard people. I wish I was lying. I've had people actually argue with me now that the earth is flat. Um, it's not. <laughs> Just gonna throw that out there. I've heard people talk about how uh, the government is trying to control you with 4G, uh, 4G or 5G cell phone towers. I've read that chemtrails are trying to alter your uh, physicality and your docility levels. I've heard all of these things, and they're pretty common. And one of the annoying things is that it, they, these things can find purchase in the church too. And I'm not saying that some of these things might not have a grain of truth. They might. I don't know. I'm not that smart. I don't know everything. But we as believers need to be not tossed to and fro by the wind of every doctrine because we know not that we rule the world or that we control things, but we do know who does. And I'll give you a hint, it's not some ruthless cabal in Europe. It's not the lizard people. The one who rules and reigns over all things is Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of his Father now, interceding for his people. And because we are called to be brought into the unity of the knowledge of God, we should be able to trust and know at least that. That ultimately, because, despite all of the things that we have, wars and rumors of wars that happen all around the world, disasters and things that can come for us and may come for us anytime, we know that ultimately Jesus Christ rules and reigns over all things. And why do we know that? Because we have worked together to call each other to the unity of the faith, to mature manhood in the gospel. Or, well, I'll say it, mature womanhood as well. Because honestly, a mature woman of Christ is something to be taken note of. Just as a mature man of Christ is.
You see, the goal is that we Christians, all Christians, that we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. You see, the goal here in God giving us shepherds and teachers and prophets and apostles and evangelists to equip the saints is not so that we will have a nice church. It's so that we will do the work of the ministry in the world. It's so that people will see who Jesus Christ is and recognize that God still works in this world because see those guys over there? He's definitely working in them. There is to be a taste, a a feeling, an atmosphere about us in the church that reflects the glory of Jesus Christ. whether or not you feel like you belong. You may not feel like you belong, but if Christ says you belong, you belong. Just that simple. Because, again, I worry about this sometimes. I've heard about some friends of mine who've walked away from the faith because they had people around them who told them that the church wasn't for them. Uh, If you are a sinner saved by grace, if you come to God recognizing that you need his salvation, you're in the right place and God loves you. And he's going to work on you to prepare you ultimately for the work of the ministry. And while you may not be the most uh, amazing person now or the most amazing person in your own eyes and you might not feel that God could possibly work with you, You're not more powerful than God. If you think your sin or your failings or your inabilities or your self-delusions or your self-consciousness can stop God, I love you, I care about you, but you're wrong. God is more powerful than your fears. And you see, that's what we are called to remind each other of. That's what we are called in the church to be showing each other. Because it's not merely important that you realize that right now when I'm telling you this, but on Wednesday afternoon, when you've had some of the worst news you could possibly get in your life, I'm not a prophet. I'm not saying that on Wednesday afternoon you're going to get terrible news. That's not what I'm saying. But if on Wednesday afternoon you get horrible news and you feel that there is no possible way God can see what's happening in your life, there's no possible way that God can be working in this, I don't care what you feel, God is more powerful and he loves you. And this too shall pass. Ultimately, the future for you is very bright in Christ. It is not based on your ability, but his. It is not based on whether you are acceptable to your church because you are accepted by Christ and so you are in his church. You see, the goal ultimately isn't for us to be evangelists or teachers or pastors or even prophets or whatever. The goal is to be the image of Christ. As it says in 15 and 16 in this 
particular passage. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when every part is working together properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I'm going to be honest. Calvary Baptist Church is not the most loving church in the world. But by God's grace, we will be. We are not the most holy people that we, in our living that we should be. We're not. But by the grace of God, through him working in love through and among us, we will be. Brothers and sisters, I am sure that there are people among us right now that do not feel accepted or loved among us. But mark my words, God's spirit is working among us. That will change. Not because I'm good, not because we're an awesome people, but I, we all know an awesome God who is working through us. But we need to trust him. And you see, that's kind of where we get with our applications for today. And I got three minutes. So here are the, here are the things I'd like us to remember. We need to seek to know Christ more, individually and as a body. I say both of those because it's very easy in this individualistic age to be focused merely on ourselves, and that is not what Ephesians is about. Ephesians is written to a church, not towards individuals specifically. Individuals are part of a church, but it's to the church. We can't be pretending that we're isolated. We need to be trusting that God has gifted you. You may not know the gift that God has given you. You may not know how God is going to use you among the body of believers, but mark my words, he will use you because he's promised it in his word. And his word stands even more than my best arguments. Trust that. And it's not because you're amazing. I mean, I know I am amazing, but you know, I, that's not the reason that I am, uh, I am useful to the church. I'm useful to the church because God works through me. Sometimes haltingly, sometimes difficultly, but he works through me, and so I am a gift to the church. You are too. So please, and that's... Trust that the church has been gifted for your benefit. That's going to be a big thing too. Don't isolate yourselves from the body of believers. I know it's tempting. Nobody can quite hurt you as much as a church can hurt you. I get it. And there are people here among us, I will probably sin against you because I'm a fallen human and I do that sin thing. But God will use me to bless you. And by God's grace, I will come to repentance and apologize to you when I do hurt you. And hopefully by God's grace, we will both have grown through the experience. 
as tempting as it might be to avoid each other, don't. We need to be Christ-honoring, discipled, and discipling parts of this church. Steve uses this phrase a lot in Mile One Mission stuff, and it's actually probably a good thing for us as a church to recognize. A good question that he asks us at every business meeting, so much so that it gets annoying. Who are you discipling, and who disciples you? Right now, there are people around you who are blessed in different ways. Do you feel that you need help in a, in a facet of the, of the gospel? Seek out an older believer to walk with you. Seek out someone to mentor you. Do you feel you have gotten somewhere in this gospel life? Well, be ready to disciple others. Because brothers and sisters, as the body of Christ is designed for a unity, we are designed to be people who are both discipled and discipling one another. Now, we as Calvary Baptist Church, this is the seventh, yeah, it is the 17th. Uh, sorry, jet lag. We had a thing this morning where we did a kickoff for our Sunday school. We have programs in this church. We have to be careful, though. The programs aren't the primary thing. The primary thing is what programs do. Basically, they help us to have times when we're together, to give the opportunities for us to meet each other and to spend time with each other and get to know each other and love one another and do the things that Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16 tells us about. We do this in a lot of ways. Uh, we will be starting over the next couple of weeks our gospel community groups. On Sunday nights, we'll be doing general ones about, hopefully we'll be trying, doing Christianity Explored. We'll be Excellent, we will be doing Christianity Explored. For those who don't really seem, think they understand the gospel faith and want to understand it a little better, we'll be doing that. For people who have questions about these sermons that people keep telling you in Sunday mornings and want to talk a little bit more about what the Word of God teaches them through the Word, we'll have other community groups hosted in different parts of the city. And you can join those. On Tuesday mornings, if you're a dude, you can go to the church offices on, on Camount Road and you can hang out with a bunch of other guys and they'll help to disciple you in the faith uh, with whatever videos they're going through right now. I don't know what they are. I'll have to ask Pastor Steve and he's not here to ask. Sorry? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Thanks, Adam. That's great. Um, so yeah, we're going through Nehemiah there. In, on, Sunday on Tuesday evenings, there's the ladies' group led by Sister Jennifer, and she will be helping to disciple you in uh, through, sorry, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And again, having good fellowship with one another. But again, the primary thing isn't to get the teaching per se, but to spend time with one another as you're being taught so that you can be strengthened in the faith. And hopefully next month we'll be starting children's gospel community groups so that the, the kids of the church will be able to do the same thing with one another. Not only meeting together as children, but also with older Christians who will uh, help them to see the gospel of Jesus Christ a little more strongly. But more importantly about, than all of these things, we need to be about soft community. This church service is going to end. I'm over time. I'm sorry. This church, this church service is going to end soon. 
Don't hurry home. Spend some time getting to know the people around you. Talk to a few people you've never met. Go out of your way, in fact, to meet people that you have never met before. And talk to them. Say hi to them. Pray about how you can love them better and be strengthened to be the church to them. Because brothers and sisters, ultimately, you are a gift to the people around you and they are a gift to you. Let's pray. Lord God, your word gives a far better message than we could ever give ourselves. You do wondrous things by your spirit through your church. We pray now that as we are the church, that we would be church to one another, that we would love one another well, and that by your grace and your mercy, you would use the many formal ways and informal ways that we have as the church to bless your people and to call us to reflect you to the world around us. Because ultimately, you are the good news. So may we bring the good news to each other and to the world around us. So pray in Jesus' name.